When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Constituency of Dublin Central. The following is the state of the poll after the first count. The electorate was 74,679. The total poll was 47,916. And the quota is 7,910. 7,910. Why should I vote Fianna Gael? Why should I vote Fianna Fáil? Why should I vote Labour? Why should I vote anyone? And I hope, like a stone in a pool, I will eddy out over the next ten days and touch every part of the constituency. I suppose it's it's only uh, fair to say that no matter what happens next Tuesday, I won't find myself in power. uh... No, I enjoy it. That's a ton. Look, politics is no arena for the shrinking violet. That's a good sign. The, uh, the dog likes me, does he? Tell me, how many votes in this house? I don't know who I'm going to vote for yet. I'm one of the don't knows. That's why I'm after collecting, so. Well, listen, you look after me again. Ah, don't you know bloody well? But you know what I was going to ask you? Am I entitled to a free phone? None of us are going to be top in the poll, that's for sure. So it's really, it's really what comes our way later in the game. We, we, we have a good thing going between Bertie and myself, and. Uh, down for if I can never be of any help to you, that's my home telephone number. Well, anyway, I have a son looking for a job. And even when Thomas was in the detox in Jerry Street when he got him in, he went visit them nearly every night and brought him little gifts. Now, I think that is what you call a TD. Dublin Central is, as its name suggests, the very heart of the Rowell. It is quintessential Dublin, Moore Street in the Gloucester Diamond, Sheriff Street in O'Devony Gardens, streets which have more than adorned the odd charred street in the Bridewell Courts. At the far end of the constituency is Cabra, and in between the very quietude of Glasnevin and the respectable red brick of Iona Road. And then again the docks and the east wall. It harbours drugs and dilettantes, clerics and cleavers, and the best of decent Dublin. Thus is the pitch marked for the game of politics as it was played over the past month. There were 13 players and 74,000 judges. The star player was the Lord Mayor himself, Bertie Ahern. No, 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 as fit as a fiddle. I just says, are we getting lights across the far side? Far side, Bertie. On those old posts? They're they're doing the whole area. Are they? Yeah, they're doing all East Wall this year. Are they pats yeah, and all? Sidewalls. No, not the pats, no, the lights, the public lights. The vote getting machine is legendary in this constituency. Over the last ten years since he was first elected to the Doyle, Ahern has cultivated his vote to such an extent that in this election he was acknowledged by all as the lord of this political manner. Just how does a well-oiled political machine operate? To get the answer to this question, I went to Kennedy's pub in Drumcondra, where his ward bosses had gathered. What we've done in the campaign is we've divided the 
the constituency into the four parts. Um, it's the Navin Road, Cabra West, Cabra East area. Um, we're operating out of a headquarters uh, directly under the control of Chris Wall up in Neffin Road. Um, my brother Noel uh, is controlling the Drunkandra Glass and Evan one out of our house in 25 Church Avenue. And we have Joe Burke, who's the local councillor for Marino, East Wall, Fairview. Um, he's working out of a, a, a premises in, in, in Fairview, opposite Fairview Church. Um, and Tony Kess um, is working out of our constituency office in Drumcondra, taking in the whole inner city area. Um, and around them are, are, are built um, teams uh, looking after each electoral ward. One of the factors in controlling wards is the extended Dublin family and its influence in the area. Insofar as we can, we try to uh, locate uh, a popular individual within a particular area. We try and uh, associate them with the particular families. And uh, insofar as that is, uh, we may, through one person, uh, locate maybe 60 to 90 votes. Uh, we have in our presence here a man, Noel Whelan, and his own family, as we mentioned earlier, um, he, they would possibly control anything from 50 to 60 votes. And it's all about getting uh, an individual within the area, uh, because we can't always uh, associate with a particular area, but if you get an individual who is well known and is involved in the area and work through him, you can very easily pull out a nice vote for yourself. With just a week to go before polling day, I asked how many votes they thought they would get. As, as I said, Eamon, they're, they're all working in isolation. As Chris said to, to you earlier on, each of our ward bosses has got a target to deliver. Um, and and I, I think to, to, just to get competition into it and try and keep the whole thing competitive, because I think unlike any other, at least we like to think it anyway, unlike any other group in the constituency, we work our areas all year round and um, there's a certain amount of rivalry be between our own people because people want to deliver on their target. But there were more than Bertie Ahern's men who wanted to deliver on their own targets in the party. Not least among them John Stafford, the undertaker from the North Strand. Whilst both belong to and are staunch members of the Fianna Fáil party, between them, there is a keen rivalry. In the local elections, there certainly was. There was a lot of keen competition because at that time we were in a, in a direct... That's putting in, it mildly. Yeah, in, in, in a direct conflict, and I suppose I, I did win East Wall 5-1 against them. But at this time, there is absolutely no conflict. Like the, what we're trying to do, and the three candidates are trying to do, is maximise the Fianna Fáil vote. John Stafford was identified in the media during the election as a staunch supporter of Charlie Hawhey. He had recently emerged from the smoke-filled back rooms of the party to take a place in the sunlight. To remain there, he needed to win a seat, and to win a seat he knew he needed transfers, regardless of preference or of origin. Friday or Saturday night I'll yeah. be in. OK, Tom. OK? That OK with you? There's only two, there's only two way I'm voting. I know. You're that. in there, now you're in there. Somewhere along the line. Oh, well, I'll put you in, Don't worry. Eugene's a decent man. You know what I have to go to? Where? I'm number one for one, but I put I you know, in there. I, I know where you have I to mean, go. I mean, I'll tell you one thing, Pat and Bertie are on great there on Friday mm. night. Mm. Fianna Foy was sure of two seats at this stage. What bothered Stafford was whether he or the third Fianna Foy candidate, Dr Dermot Fitzpatrick, would get that seat. Dr Fitzpatrick is based around the Navan Road area, where he is both a doctor and a dentist. 
If a huge majority of Ahern's surplus went to him, then he would get the seat. While Stafford's campaign had the flamboyance of a presidential caravan, Dr Fitzpatrick maximised his own advantages, including that of being a local GP. But, uh, many of my patients will tell me uh, they like me as a doctor, but uh, they keep their medicine, their health and their politics quite separate. And they're, uh, well, you've got to respect that, and I understand that very well, you know. It's uh, an oddity in this election that there are two doctors standing in this constituency. And uh, if both of you were to get the votes of all your patients, you'd romp home. Well, he possibly, yes. But no, um, you must remember doctors will work in a fairly circumscribed area. Whereas somebody say like Bertie Hearn, the Lord Mayor, he is a, a, a constituency man. You know, he sees a broader picture than we would. Um, and he's gr- well, he has grown up with this area, central constituency, and he, he had a far broader view, and he would be into a lot more communities, because politicians do have a, a greater outreach than, say, doctors would. Although the election was expected for a long time, the Fine Gael party in Dublin Central was probably in the worst shape it's been in for years. The plight of the party was summed up by veteran politician Hugh Byrne, whose son Shane was contesting his first general election. Uh, The machine was devastated. It had the loss of its two major generals, two of them deserted. Not only that, but all five deputies in this constituency voted against the government on three occasions in December, and they hadn't got a mandate for that. Not from the people here. So Shane now is leading a campaign to get the two seats back. The target at the moment is two seats without the quota. It's looking that way. The enormous task of revitalising the Fine Gael campaign fell to its Director of Elections, Brendan Brady, who was happy with the Fine Gael ticket. In, in, the, in this, in this uh, constituency, we have, we have three candidates on the ticket, uh, beginning with Luke Belton, who, is, who has been parliamentary representative of the party for approximately 20 years. He's now a senator at the moment. He's represented part of the constituency before, and he's, he is traversing the entire constituency. The, 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 the remaining two candidates, Shane Byrne, is dealing with the Cabra area. His father was a TD for that area since until 1981, and he is concentrating on that portion of the constituency. On the other side of the constituency, the Fairview end, we have uh, Dr Pat Lee, who's the third candidate on the ticket, and he's a medical doctor in that area, and we're uh, concentrating his efforts on that wing of the constituency. Now, obviously, that creates a problem with preferences, and the intention in the campaign is that we have a weak overlap period where or maybe slightly greater with some adjustments to to ensure that the preferences transfer through the ticket. When Michael Keating defected to the Progressive Democrats, some seasoned Fine Gael campaigners went with him. This led to some curious situations outside some of the churches, as I discovered. Here outside Corpus Christi Church, it's the Feast of St Bridget. And perhaps we have the best example of things that have happened in in Dublin Central to Fine Gael in a way. We have two people here who used to canvas together and now they're canvassing for different parties. Rita, you're canvassing now for the Progressive Democrats. That's right. How does it feel uh, being in opposition to people you once worked very closely with? Well, I'm happy that Michael is a very good candidate, an excellent candidate, and I'm happy to work for him. What's what's it like for you? Well, just to clarify one of the points you just made there, uh, we're working out of Dublin Northwest, although this happens to be an area which is on the borderline. We don't. We, I have no qualms, certainly. I was out for the party and uh, pushing the Fine Gael policy. 
Does it seem odd though that both of you used to work together and now you're working against each other as it were? A bit strange I suppose, yes, but uh, I, I think the fact that Michael Keating just decided to take his own road, the independent road, uh, I would have no ill feelings towards that. I'm happy to work for the Progressive Democrats. There was no happiness there, though, for Dr Pat Lee, who had established himself as the front-runner for Fine Gael. Like Dermot Fitzpatrick, Pat Lee is a general practitioner, one of the largest practices in the constituency. Dr Lee was successful in the local elections and was determined to win a seat in the Doyle. But he had to work extremely hard to try and cover this vast urban area. At the end of a long, hard night's campaigning, I asked him if he was finding it difficult in this, his first general election. No, we have... I had my first outing in the local election. Um, I was surprised that so many people honoured the services voluntarily to me. Um, we had a team of approximately, towards the last week of the local, of 100 people working for me, all novices. We're not novices now, and we have approximately at least 50 to 60 people out tonight, and we still have a week to go. So yeah. They're well trained, they all know how to canvas, they all know how to answer questions properly in an orderly fashion, you know? But so. at this stage, Fianna Foyle are saying that the Fianna Gael machine has totally collapsed. What would you say to that? That is a report appeared in the Irish Times yesterday. You're speaking specifically about Dublin Central? Yes. Yeah. Well, that report appeared in the Irish Times yesterday. It was misleading, mischievous, erroneous, based on, based on misinformation designed to maximum damage to the party. But I can assure you, it will not. Are you, is your campaign suffering from any dirty tricks at this stage? It is. And <laughs> all campaigns suffer from dirty tricks. It's part and part of, of the game of politics. I'm sure there's various stories going around about me, and I'm sure I'm alleged to have done various things, but I laugh, and when people put stories like that around or try to do damage to me, in actual fact, all they're doing is helping to increase my vote. Meanwhile, the former Fine Gael TD, Alice Glenn, was organising her own campaign as an independent and was having no problems putting distance between herself and her erstwhile colleagues, especially when it came to cuts in education expenditure, as she told a packed meeting of parents and teachers in Glasnevin School. The meanness of how the government introduced these draconian cuts, I think, is despicable. They waited until there was no... the doll was not sitting. If it had been sitting, I can tell you it would have been like hell open to sinners. Because nobody would have put up with what they're suggesting here. And they know that. And they take advantage of the fact that nobody is in there and they will pass out the bad news as they did with taking the food subsidies away and nobody was there to talk back to them. And that's what they're doing with you in this instance. So it's fantastic to see you all here and to let them know that you are not going to take this line down. Mrs Glenn's forthright views may have lost her political support in some quarters, but she gained it from others, as some of her canvassers explained to us. I feel she's for the family, and I feel very strongly uh, the issues she stands for. Did you ever work for any other party? Fianna Fáil. Did you canvass with them? And... No, I haven't, but I always give them my support. And what about yourself? Have you ever done any canvassing before or any electioneering? Well, not for any of the parties. I did canvass during the amendments, the pro-life amendment and the divorce amendment. With the assistance of her husband, Brigadier General Glenn, she mounted a concerted campaign throughout the constituency. Yet nobody, particularly her political opponents, could measure the extent of her support. But Alice was reasonably confident. 
Well, going on the reaction I've had on the doorstep, I've had very little mention of any uh, about the FG candidates. Um, Fianna Fáil are going to do extremely well. I've had a very, very good reaction on the doorstep, and a lot of that is coming from Fianna Fáil people who would identify with what I represent, and uh, I would be hoping to get uh, transfers uh, along the line there. Hear Brendan Grace's song on the gaiety about two Sundays ago about Alice to the to the tune of Delilah. That was priceless. Do you mind the lampooning at all? I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I've always had a. I mean, I like to. La I enjoy. I have a sense of humour. I think. Hello, is Mummy home? No, not Okay. Look, will you give her this? And Oh, they just called to your house. Oh, have they? Yes. Oh, well, I'm sorry to disturb you it's again. Right. Okay, love. Bye-bye. No, I enjoy it. Not at all. Uh, look, politics is no arena for the shrinking violet. Hello, how are you? Good to meet you. You know we're fighting about the barracks. Ah, yes, yes. yes. You want, we want the school up there. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Oh, you found out Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I've been involved with yeah, the committee for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's looking like, it's looking more promising now than it did yeah, way yeah. back. The senior candidate on the Fine Gael ticket was former TD and Senator Luke Belton. No stranger to the campaign trail, he was aware of the difficulties facing Fine Gael. Still, he took an optimistic line. My own prospects are quite good here. I, everywhere I go, I'm getting quite a good reception. A lot of people recognise me even before I mention anything at all and wish me the very best of luck. Things are moving quite well and I'm very happy with it. Of the three candidates who are standing here, yourself, and then there's Shane Byrne, and then there's Pat Lee, who do you think will get the seat of the three of you? By all means, I, ex I expect to get it. Actually, I have, if you like, been in national politics for quite a while now, and neither of the others. Uh, Pat Lee has been in local politics for close on two years now, and Shane Byrne, of course, is completely new to politics. So on the whole, I think... From the national point of view, I would be much better known, and I expect to win. From the very beginning of the campaign, the PDs exuded a quiet confidence. Their man, Michael Keating, the deputy leader of the party, had more than one point to make in this election. Dressed in his new political suit, he was intent on consolidating his vote in the middle-class areas of Dublin Central, and he was confident he could do it. I'm never uh, arrogantly confident, or I don't like overstressing what might be called a quiet confidence that one has but if the warmth and the sympathy and the encouragement of people at the doors and outside churches and so on is anything to go by, then I would be certainly quietly optimistic. And I think that optimism is shared by all of those people who are working with us. Now, what kind of a machine have you got? Because the last time you stood, obviously, mm. you had the Fine Gael machine behind you. This time you've had to build up one of your own. Have you taken part of the Fine Gael machine with you or have you built up your own? Well, in fact, in a sense, neither. Because remember, I joined the Progressive Democrats, an existing party with a structure already in place. And I'm very heartened to say this, that I have never previously worked in an organisation so determined, so professional uh, and so idealistic and committed and accordingly, as far as I'm concerned, it's a real pleasure. Watching Michael Keating at several meetings during the course of the election, it was interesting to note how he adopted almost an aggressive tone at some point during the proceedings but always stopped short of saying anything actually damaging. I want to say something to, to, the, to the chairman. I would be grateful if you would invite us back after next Tuesday when the air is not clouded by some political invective and by the vulnerability of politicians to being seduced
by political promises or threats. I, I'm quite happy. No, it doesn't worry me at all. I have no problems at all, sir, as I think you're hoping to, as I think you'll detect. I'm not in the slightest bit troubled about next Tuesday, good, bad, nor different. That's your problem. Shane Byrne of Fine Gael was the youngest candidate on offer, and although his father was well known, he himself was faced with the problems all new candidates face. The candidates being new and not being sitting to these were encouraged to establish themselves in their own right through personal literature and through a division of the constituency. Um, by and large, that hasn't been observed, and um, at this stage, you've no option really but to try and increase your own profile ahead of others. And, and at the end of the day, I wouldn't see it doing Fine Gael any harm really because you're, you're only struggling. You're only struggling for your own. Um, you know your own number one vote so as not to get eliminated too early if that is your fate. But for the Fine Gael party it was hard to escape the anger of the ordinary people no matter how just their cause or spirited their defence. You have to get down the cost of living. I agree with there's, you. there's no blue card for the people. Yeah. There's no nothing. Years ago we had less money. <coughs> the people are drunk. Just <coughs> at luck. Uh, do you, you remember what the cost of living was going up like in 1981? What? 22? 21%. What's going up by now? 2%. Well, well, if you That's what we did. I'm so. telling <laughs> you. Most of the people in the constituency are working class who have had to bear the brunt of the recession, poor housing, unemployment and emigration. Surprising, therefore, that there is only one left-wing seat, that held by Tony Gregory. This time, there were four other candidates looking for that seat as well. Two Labour Party candidates, one from the Workers' Party and Christy Burke of Sinn Féin. Jimmy Summers is a veteran Labour Party campaigner in the area and I asked him how important was Dublin Central to the party. There was a very strong Labour vote here in the constituency. The constituency changed, of course, with the old North West when you had Michael Mullen, David Thornley, then we had Michael O'Leary when the constituency changed. There was always a very, very strong Labour vote because it's a mainly working class area. There are large working class uh, housing estates in it, in Cabaret, Cabaret West, East Wall. Uh, the, we, we have to re-establish ourselves now. There was damage done to the party when Michael O'Leary left. How are you doing? What? Oh, there you are, there's a candidate. Right? Yeah. Sorry, it's Tony Bagger gets me number one. Oh, Tony gets you number one. Okay, well, what about number two then? Because I've been doing a lot of work in that area with street traders around the area, so we've been cooperating on those issues. So, number two? Great, thanks a minute. Yeah, yeah, go on. You wouldn't, you wouldn't let the candidate be bitten, would you? Some of us, some of us have to survive. Joe Costello from the Prisoners' Rights Organisation was one of the Labour Party candidates. Yet it was clear from an early stage that the Labour Party would make little impact on the final result. Added to this, the party, like the others, suffered from inter-candidate rivalry. So, with only a thousand votes in prospect, why did Costello persevere? It's the future that I'm looking to. Uh, I know that it has been a very bad patch for Labour in this constituency, of all the constituencies in the country. And... I do believe that of all the parties in the Dáil that are, that are in existence in the country at the present time, that Labour is the one with the best policies. I think that they have been lost sight of because of the compromise that has been entered into in the context of Fine Gael and, and Labour, that you just cannot bring together two parties that are at the opposite end of the spectrum. The other Labour Party candidate was Mary Freehill. I asked her why she had left her former political home in Dublin South East to become what many regarded as a political refugee. Well, I'm in the Labour Party since 1969 
long-standing member of the Labour Party. I've always worked for the Labour Party. Um, in Dublin South East, I uh, ran on a number of occasions there. I helped to get Rory Quinn elected. All my votes transferred uh, to Rory Quinn. Um, and um, uh, I consider myself to be a Labour Party person first and foremost. And I see the party as a whole. I don't see it as separate little fiefdoms. Among the candidates trying to establish a little fiefdom for himself was Mike Jennings of the Workers' Party. Well, it's my uh, first time out as the Workers' Party candidate. Mick White was always our candidate in this constituency before. Mick is the director of elections for us now. But quite seriously, the aim is to get a seat. But failing that, uh, I mean, if we don't get a seat, it'll be to get it next time. And we could quite possibly be heading into uh, maybe three elections in a row, maybe like the same again. And if we don't get it this time, I firmly believe we'll get it the time afterwards. But I, I wouldn't like to uh, say that we're not in the running for a seat this time. If I fail to get a seat uh, here in Dublin Central, I'd be looking at the national situation, see how the Workers' Party has done nationally. And I'd be hoping that Prentius and Tomas have a good extra, few extra uh, TDs in with them, you know, to uh, provide the real opposition in Dolan. Illegal street trading is a vital issue to many families in the inner city and during the election the traders made it clear that they would stand by those candidates who had stood by them in their agitation. Um, in the street trading, like Joe and Tony and even Christy Buck, they all uh, helped us out, you know. You know, like people that really need it. So you're kind of repaying the favour now, are you? Exactly, in any way we can. One of the people who would benefit from this little quid pro quo would be Tony Gregory. I suppose it's, it's only uh, fair to say that no matter what happens next Tuesday, I won't find myself in power uh, <laughs> afterwards. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> however if, if I'm elected, I will have a vote. Tony Gregory has become a champion of the people in the inner city. He has tried hard to create a drugs-free environment in an area where drug abuse is endemic. During the campaign, he was like a will-of-the-wisp and had little time to talk. I never predict or attempt to predict my own chances or even attempt to predict what goes on in the constituency generally. All as I can say is that there is a very strong feeling against Fine Gael in Dublin Central. And if anybody is elected for Fine Gael, nobody will be more surprised than myself. But apart from that, it's impossible to assess. Um, all as I feel is that I've met a lot of goodwill and good response from people throughout the constituency, whether or not that means they go out and give me their number one vote. We'll only know uh, this day week or certainly next Wednesday in any case. But How, I, do, I, how I do you handle this campaign, Tony? Because you don't seem to do the normal canvas that, people, that other parties do. You seem to have a, a special ability of your own to get number ones. How do you manage it? I don't know how you mean I don't do the normal canvas. I've canvassed every early in every house in the constituency. That's why I've avoided you for so long, because <laughs> if I was to wander around talking to you, I wouldn't get the canvas done. But in fact, I'm one of the few people, uh, as far as I can establish, from talking to people who actually has been knocking at doors. I've been told by people throughout the constituency that cards and leaflets are being dropped in and nobody's been knocking. I've been knocking on doors right throughout the constituency, from Cabra to Sheriff Street and from East Wall up to, up to Drumcondra. And uh, that's, that's the canvas that most political parties carry out. It's just the difficulty of doing that uh, leaves me with little or no time for anybody, particularly people like yourself that uh, are doing documentaries. But, um, I mean, that's no disrespect to you. I always try to cooperate with the media. 
Christy Burke, the Sinn Féin candidate, similarly was identified with the traders' agitation and the Concerned Parents' campaign against drug abuse. Martha Riley is involved with the Concerned Parents and she told me why people would vote for Christy Burke. Well, they could go to them, go to Christy Burke's home and Tony Gregory's home, straight to their houses, and they'd leave their houses if there was anything happening in the person's place and they'd go and they'd try and sort it out for them. Well, no, no way would you get any other TDs from around the area. The only time you'd see them is when the elections would be coming up. Christy Burke did help me out with my brother's child. He met my brother's child was very bad on heroin. And Christy, I went to Christy with him. Because he was at the being in, at Jervis Street and got treatment, but he didn't stick to it. And when he went back again, they wouldn't see to him. So Christy made an appointment for to meet me and Thomas at nine o'clock of a Monday morning. And fair play, he was there at nine o'clock. He brought him to Jervis Street and from Jervis Street to the Coomine Centre. And even when Thomas was in the detox in Jervis Street when he got him in, he went visit them nearly every night and brought him little gifts. Now I think that is what you call a TD. In compiling this documentary, we were prohibited from interviewing Christy Burke under Section 31 of the Broadcasting Act. In observing the election in Dublin Central, there is no doubt that the Fianna Fáil machine was literally streets ahead of the rest. They used a blend of experienced and youthful canvassers, and at times there was a distinct echo of the old De Valera election handbook on Ballock Bua. Here, Neil Ring, John Stafford's Director of Elections, describes his approach to the electoral register. Basically the area would be cut up into about 40 different wards and for each ward there would be a certain number of streets and each street is broken down into the number of people living in each house who are of voting age and what we use these for is to get an idea of how many many people in a house would have a vote. You get a lot of queries, people just aged 18 who would want to know have they got a vote. Uh, We use it in our campaign to give uh, John an idea of how important an area is and how important each house is to him. If there's one vote in a house and they seem to be non-Fianna Fáil, well, we can get them away from that house fairly quickly. But if there's six votes in a house and they seem to be going towards Fianna Fáil, we'll tell John there's six votes in this house so he can spend... It's worth spending five, ten minutes at that house if he can get six number ones and the, the vote for the rest of his colleagues in that house just to um, make them feel that, which they are, they're, that they're important to Fianna Fáil and we'll concentrate on those particular houses. A major priority among the parties is the effort to get the vote out on polling day. This is particularly true in Dublin Central where there is a high percentage of old people who, unless transport is provided, will simply not vote. In this election, more than most, the value of every single vote was evident. So how do the parties deal with the transport problem? Looking for a lift, if you want me to vote for you. Kevin, did you get that? We'll do that, no problem. Okay. No, I didn't tell him. Don't forget the bit of work now. Don't forget the bit of work here. Like what time would you like us to call for you? I say, don't forget the bit um, of work. After dinner. After dinner, OK. Mm. We, we have a, a constituency office, a transport file in our constituency office, and we will have um, a coordinator for transport on the day. He will send the various cars to different locations and you know make sure that uh, we don't have two or three cars calling for the one person. And would that happen with the other candidates as well? They will coordinate with the uh, transport 
manager. Is that right for the constituency? Yeah, when, the Fianna, when Fianna Fáil is concerned, we will be taking the Fianna Fáil voters out and the various candidates and canvassers for the other candidates will give all the information into the one coordinator, he'll organise it all then. Basically, get a group of volunteers well in advance, a week two in advance, see who has the day off, get a list of cars, uh, as you're doing your canvas, collect all the, the requirements for transport on the day, uh, summarise them into areas, into roads, into times of the day, and uh, just make out your rosters uh, based on the cars you have available on the day. On the Saturday before the election, the whole campaign changed in character as all the candidates made an extra last effort to woo the voters in their direction. It was a time for strokes and floats and loudspeaker vans. The Progressive Democrats arranged for a colourful float more usually associated with a St. Patrick's Day parade to tour the constituency. We ask you to please vote number one for your local Progressive Democrat candidates. Vote number one for, for, for the Progressive Democrats on Tuesday. Councillor John Stafford of Fianna Fáil cashed in on the fact that the Saturday coincided with Valentine's Day and in shopping centres throughout the constituency he gave away red carnations, especially to the women, with the message that John Stafford was their number one Valentine. Hello girls. What a lovely way to find you ladies. A happy Valentine's to you. Thank you. Have a nice day now, won't you? Good to see you there. Now, what about yourselves? Oh, this lovely lady here. One of you. They will, they will. Thank you very much. Happy Valentine's. What's your doing, Stafford? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Am I your Valentine now? Yes, you are. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, John Stafford has to be another day. He can be buried at sea. <laughs> All the best. All the best. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Speech there was a nice way of, of, of um, brightening up the day for people. And we said this was a good way to do it. The Lord Mayor, Bertie Ahern, was not to be outdone when it came to wooing the voters in the last few days. He arranged to have his photograph mounted on hoardings at prime sites, together with the slogan, When the going gets tough, the tough get going. As well as this, he circulated three colour leaflets detailing his achievements in office. The Assistant Director of Elections for Fianna Fáil was Joe Tierney, and I asked him what he thought of this kind of personal campaigning. Yeah, well, that always appears in the last, particularly the last Sunday. But um, we're, uh, it seems to be part and parcel of election campaigns nowadays, and particularly in the Fianna Fáil party for some reason or other. And um, as you can see, I'm handing out the, uh, the usual literature, three candidates. It's um, something that creeps in, you can't do anything about it. Can the Directorate of Elections not do something about it? He can to a certain degree, but I mean, he does it now and he turns his back and goes away and they're at it again, so what's the point? Apparently, it seems to be presidential style uh, election campaign seems to win seats nowadays. It's as simple as that. But personal canvassing was not the sole prerogative of Fianna Foyle. The Labour Party candidates were running personal campaigns, and in Ballybock and Marino, Dr. Pat Lee of Fianna Gael had placed personal posters in most of the lampposts, and he felt justified in doing so. It's important that we get a personal vote out of, out of the area, if you understand me. And uh, it's been traditionally heavy in a fall country, traditional. Michael Keating got a big vote out of there, so one has to ensure that we get maximised our vote, that each vote off Fianna Fáil and PDs an extra vote for us.
it's two votes for us. That's the way I look at it. But it seems that in this constituency, coming up to the tapes, as it were, just before the off, everybody has gone very personal. It's not only you, but it seems an awful lot of other people have That's as well. Right. Well, I've seen big 8 by 4s not 8 by 4s advertising hoardings. Bertie Hearn on them. Huge advertising hoardings. So, and you're doing your bit too. I can't afford the big, the big hoardings. Mine's only very... I have to operate on a small scale. Fianna Fáil out of party with the money. Brendan Brady, the Fine Gael Director of Elections, had his reservations about the efficacy of personal campaigning. To some extent it is a waste of effort, but it also, we have to try and control the benefits of this, of the individual campaigns within the organisation. I mean, if Pat Lee has something special to say about himself, well, we, we tend to encourage that. What we're trying to do is sort of control the personal and individual qualities of the candidates within their organisation, or within the organisation. It's when that element gets out of control and creates creates an effect on the Fine Gael vote. That's the aspect we're concerned about. And to that end, we have a leaflet now coming out from Dr. Gareth Fitzgerald identifying the three Fine Gael candidates. That will start tomorrow night. It'll run through the churches on Sunday and Monday, right through to polling day. It'll be distributed outside each polling station. Because from our polls and from the data we have, there's a problem with Fine Gael identification with the candidates. And that is the, that is the aspect of the individual campaigns that I am concerned about, the transfer within the ticket and the identification with the party vote in the light of the two former TDs having left the party. On Sunday morning, outside the churches, Shane Byrne had his personal literature to distribute. The only party not worried about personal canvassing were those parties who had only one candidate in the field. The PDs were particularly happy with the way their campaign had gone. How do you think Michael will do it? Well, he'll get one of the earlier seats. I'm very hopeful after the Lord Mayor takes his seat. In intriguing election, no government party, every party's in opposition, I find it interesting. And uh, all I can say is that uh, the people are stunned, numbed and bewildered by it all. But we're very happy with the reaction on a serious note to our own campaign. We've run a fairly good campaign, still running it. We'll be running it until Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. In fact, 5 past 9 just to make sure. And um, I'm still quietly confident. <coughs> Your prediction? Fianna uh, Fáil 2, uh, Gregory 1, uh, myself, not in, in that order necessarily, and... Possibly Fine Gael to shade the last one. Michael Keating. And the person who was hoping to get that Fine Gael seat he was talking about was Dr Pat Lee, to whom I spoke at the end of his canvas. I think I feel quite happy, quite confident. I feel I've worked hard for these people and they have rewarded me. I, I think they will reward me. They trust me and I'll be extremely surprised if they don't vote heavily for me. One man for whom the people would vote heavily was Bertie Ahern but being the most popular candidate can bring its own dangers, insofar as other candidates may persuade the electorate that the poll topper doesn't need first preferences. Bearing that in mind, how did Bertie Ahern view the controversy surrounding personal campaigning? In, in the end of the day, I, I think if it brings up the extra few votes, I feel happier in the end, because there's no point in keeping a, a tight control and then say next week, well, if we had to do this, that or the other for 300 votes. But you're still the kingmaker, though, for the second Fianna Fáil seat. I mean, it's your transfers that are going to make it. Um, it, 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 it depends. I, I, I will be trying to give, if I have a surplus, to, to make sure it just goes back to, to either um, to John or Dermot. At the end of the campaign, Ahern was satisfied with the Fianna Fáil machine in the constituency. We have had 250, 300 Fianna Fáil card-carrying members in the constituency. And um, I think on that basis we deserve, we, we, we've ran a better Fianna Fáil campaign um, in this constituency than probably any other one. 
And so we came to Judgment Day, Wednesday the 18th of February. In the technical school at Bolton Street, the returning officer announced the result of the first count. And the, the following is the state of the poll after the first count for each candidate. Bertie Ahern, Fianna Fáil, 13,635. 13635. That massive vote for Ahern of one and three quarter quotas made him not alone the poll topper in Dublin, but the biggest vote getter in the whole country in this election. No wonder his supporters were delighted. As Bertie Hearn of Fianna Fáil has exceeded the quota of 7,910, I deem him elected at the end of the first count. Ahern's surplus went as expected to the other two Fianna Fáil candidates who were now set fair not alone to gain another seat, as expected, but to have more than an even chance of taking a third. And when Alice Glenn was eliminated, the third Fianna Fáil seat looked more than probable. And so to the twelfth and final count in a nail-biting finish. Dermot Fitzpatrick, Fianna Fáil, plus 579 to a total of 6,562. 6,562. Tony Gregory, independent, retains his quote at 7,910. Michael Keating retains his quota at 7,910. Dr. Pat Lee Finnegal plus 290, 290, to a total of 6,484, 6,484. John Stafford, Fianna Fáil, plus 848, to a total of 7,473. Non-transferable, 1,862-1862. As no candidate has reached the quota of 7,910, I now deem the two... Yes, excuse me. On behalf of my candidate, Dr. Patley, I wish to demand a recount from the start. Uh, a recount, a total recount has been called for by the agent on behalf of the... Finnegale candidate Dr. Pat Lee, as he's entitled to under law. And so the recount was ordered as ordained by law for the following day. But barring some huge counting error, the result would stand. Late that night, I caught up with John Stafford, who would win a Doyle seat for the first time. I asked him if it was worth all the hassle. Oh, yes, there's no doubt about it. It was worth it all. It's been a fantastic night. We're sitting here, as you, as you said, on the steps here in the lounge and uh, I feel great the others are very very tired I suppose adrenaline has me going and uh, I think it was worth it But did he think that the rivalry which existed in the party could be avoided? Well, I suppose the multi-seat consistency can cause that but um, there's no doubt uh, Bertie is a hell of a lot more successful at that than I am Bertie got um, 14,000 uh, 14, votes I got um, 4,000 votes so it was necessary, very necessary for me to try and get as near to a quota as possible. I had to get that to get the three seats and that's what I tried to do. A month's campaigning had come to an end, the election machines to a halt and the machinations ceased for a while at least. What we had witnessed during the campaign was in part what we had been allowed to see and part what we had been given in confidence by the candidates a confidence for which we thanked them. The cards of all the candidates were played very closely to their chests, as one would expect.
which is why this documentary could never be the whole canvas. The final strokes were applied to the picture on Thursday the 19th of February at 6.30 in the afternoon when the returning officer finished with a flourish. Now I wish to somewhat belatedly declare the state of the poll after the 12th count, which was the distribution of the votes of Christy Burke Sinn Féin, whose votes were 3,579. Dermot Fitzpatrick plus 579 to a total of 6,562. 6,562. Dr. Pat Lee Finnegale plus 290 to a total of 6,484. 6484 and John Stafford Fianna Fall plus 848 to a total of 7473. Non transferable were 1862. 1862. As none of the three remaining candidates has reached the quota of 7910, I deem the two highest to be elected without reaching the quota namely John Stafford, Fianna Fáil and Dermot Fitzpatrick. <laughs>